Hello. All right, turn to Proverbs chapter 14, please. If you didn't notice, we're in a series called uh, Wisdom for Idiots. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean it in an encouraging way, right? So we're doing this series on Proverbs. And when I first had the idea for this series, I thought that I could introduce each week with a video from the Internet showing, like, teenagers doing stupid things. Um, but when I, when, I, when I Googled that, um, I heard a lot of foul language on this video, so I really can't play those videos. So if you find something out there online that demonstrates uh, people your age doing really dumb things, that's appropriate. Uh, and, and doesn't have, like, a string of curse words in it, uh, please let me know, and every week I will give you exhibit A, B, and C of, of people your age doing crazy, um, idiotic things, okay? I see a hand over here. No, 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 listen, I am not telling you to go out and film these yourself, all right? Okay, I think, I think I, I need a good lawyer, because I think I just made a lawsuit for myself. All right, so, um, Look at chapter 14, and actually look at the screen first. We're, we're refocusing your attention every week on chapter 1, verse 7, which says, read this with me, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You will have this memorized by the end of this series, I hope. Now, my point each week in putting this up on the screen is to remind you that everything we're talking about in Proverbs is not just behavior modification. It's not just, hey, change your behavior. It is focus your heart on God. It is fear God from your heart, and, f- and from that, uh, your, heart will, will ex- your heart will cause change to happen in your life. That is the point of Proverbs. It's heart change first. Behavior change comes from heart change. Now, today we are talking about the, the idea of anger, anger, all right? Now, as I was thinking this week about um, how to kick this off, uh, I started to think back on just my own life, and I started to think about when was I, like, the angriest in my life? Like, at what point in my life was, 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 the, was the angriest moment of my life? Do you guys want to hear that story? Do you want to hear that story? Um, it's actually a fairly serious story, so I'll try to make it somewhat humorous. But, um, but basically, when I was in college, I lived with a bunch of guys in a house, right? And, um, and you guys know some of those guys. Casey Burke is one of those guys. Uh, Tim Cartwright is not one of those guys because he was already married at the time whenever I knew him in this internship program at this church. And so the cool thing was the church I worked at as an intern, they had a house they could let interns live in, guy interns, for free. That was like your pay for being an intern. So that's where I met guys like Darren, our, our guy for Connect Weekend that we had a while back, the guy from Arkansas. And then um, that's also where I met Simon, uh, the guy we had for Impact Camp last year. And so um, made a lot of friends in the house, and the house is a lot of fun. Just imagine like 10, 11 guys living in the house, and we're all in college, and we're trying to walk with Jesus, but we're still crazy idiots, all right? That's the picture. Now, it smelled awful, but that's beside the point. Uh, so we had a lot of fun in this house. It was a lot of camaraderie, a lot of friendships happened in that house, but... Um, the youth pastor we worked with, at one point, he decided that he was going to let this new intern come in, and this guy's name was Chris. Now, all of us met Chris and thought, Chris seems kind of like a shady guy, 
I'm not sure about this guy, Chris. So he comes into our house. All of us had questions about him from the beginning. And so it didn't take us long to figure out why he was wanting to do this internship program. Um, This guy, he loved to chase after girls. That was just his thing. It was evident from the word go. And we did not like this guy one bit. So I was dating someone at the time. And this guy starts trying to chase after the girl that I'm dating, right? And I'm living with this guy, okay? And so we had several strong conversations about that. And at which point, he kind of moved on from her. And now he starts pursuing students in our ministry. He's an intern. He's 20 or so. He's pursuing senior girls in our ministry. And so I got wind of this and started kind of hearing about it and and so um, we let the youth pastor, hey, do, do you know what he's doing with the girls in our ministry? And, and so once the youth pastor found this out, uh, he went to this guy. He brings him. He comes to the house one day, and he says, look, uh, you're out of here. He kicks him out like that day, okay? Well, in that intervention-type meeting, I was so angry at this guy that my roommates, because this guy and I had a history together, obviously, with the other girl thing, so... Um, so my roommates tell me to, like, Dave, leave the house. We're afraid you're going to kill him, okay? And so um, I leave the house with another friend of mine. We go and drive around town for a while until this guy's out of the house. And I kid you not, the anger that I felt towards this guy for many reasons lasted weeks, if not months. I, mean, I literally would play out in my mind scenarios where if I see this guy somewhere in public, It is not going to be pretty. I'm not trying to be macho. I'm just trying to tell you, like, this is how I felt. This is what I felt towards this guy. I can't recall a time when I was more angry towards one person in my life. So do you have someone in mind for you that's kind of like that? I have some questions I want to ask you. This is kind of an anger test for you. So look at the screen. The first question is this. Do you continually replay in your mind with great detail a negative past event and dislike the person or persons involved? Is your mind like just rolling tape on a past situation or an event that just drives you crazy? The next question is this. Do you continually refer to someone in a negative way because of some past hurt? So somebody mentions someone's name and you think you roll your eyes and you're like, oh, that person. Oh, that girl. That guy. Next question. Do you, do you avoid certain people because you are angered by their presence? Just them walking into the room sets you off. Their presence angers you. Next question. Do you find your dislike for someone is growing over time? So the more time that passes... Instead of your anger decreasing, it tends to increase. And the last question I want to ask you is this. Do you have a dartboard with someone's face on it? The ones laughing the loudest are the ones that I'm sure probably do. No, but seriously, do you? Do you have a dartboard with someone's face on it? So, look at chapter, listen, listen, look at chapter 14 of, of Proverbs. We're going to look at chapter 14, verses 29 to 30. And here's what it says. 
It says, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. Now, let's just pause right there. But I thought all anger was wrong. I thought that it was wrong to be angry. Look at what this says. It says, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. So the big revelation for you this morning is all anger is not sinful. All anger is not wrong. Solomon's saying here, if you're slow to anger, that means you have great understanding. You're a person that has great wisdom. Anger is not always wrong. In fact, I would say sometimes anger can be right. We'll unpack some of this as we go. So there are three ways. Let me read the rest of the passage here. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. We'll come back to this in a minute. Go to the next slide. There are basically three ways that we see that people handle anger. The first one is this, no anger. This is the person that thinks that all anger is wrong, all anger is sinful. They think that, they, they, they think, mistakenly they think that, that all anger is somehow wrong and sinful. And I would say to you this, sometimes it's a sin to not get angry at something. Now we'll unpack this in a moment, but just bear with me on this. The next way of, of, of handling anger is blow up anger, Right? This is what you think of when you think of anger. You think of the person who just flies off the handle. They're throwing chairs like Bobby Knight across the basketball court, okay? They are, this is blow up. This is like the short fuse person. Um, this is the kind of person who says things like, you know, I just tell it like it is. I'm all about justice. Or I'm just blunt. Or I'm from New York, right? And, and so they just have this short fuse and... If anybody crosses them or crosses their path, they just blow up in anger. This is the person where if you say hi to them, they like bark at you, right? The blow up anger person. Now, a few years ago, I'm meeting with a bunch of guys in my living room, and we're having a small group discussion, senior guys from the youth group here. And in my, in my house, I've got these massive like... Uh, one sheet of glass windows, and so um, they're like eight feet tall, and so I can see, everyone can like see into my living from the outside, but I can also see everything happening in the neighborhood outside as well. We're like a big aquarium for the neighborhood, okay? That's what it's like in my house. And so um, we're having a small discussion in the living room, and uh, my across-the-street neighbor at the time, his name was Jose, and, um, and we hear this yelling and screaming the funny thing is, we're talking about men and their anger in our small group discussion. We hear yelling and screaming outside uh, across the street, the cross street neighbor's uh, house, and, um, and we see the, 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 the girlfriend backing out with her, with her kids in the minivan. Meanwhile, he is taking a shovel to the front end of her minivan and beating the front of her car with a shovel while she's backing out. And I'm like, this is perfect. Exhibit, exhibit A right? So needless to say, that guy no longer lives there. And they've now broken up. Surprise, surprise. Just a word of note, guys. If you want a relationship to continue, do not beat your girlfriend's car with a shovel, okay? It is not going to go well for you, right? So there are people that just blow up. They just blow up with anger. Then there's the last one, which is, I think, the only scriptural way of handling anger, and it's slow anger. This is slow anger. This is the person who is angry about the right things and in the right way. 
Scripture is clear that anger is not wrong, but slow anger is right if you're angry about the right things and in the right way. Go and do your first few discussion questions, I think one through four at your tables. Go ahead and discuss. Okay, turn your attention back to Proverbs. Turn your attention back to Proverbs chapter 14, and we're going to look back at uh, verses 29 to 30. I want you to see the second half of this verse, mainly verse 30. So look back at chapter 14, verses 29 to 30. It says, in verse 30, it says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. And what he means by envy here is essentially anger, not just jealousy, but actual anger. Now, here's what I want you to get from this. When you get angry continuously and a lot, it keeps sorting out on me, so. Wait for a new microphone. Yeah, bring a new mic to me while I. My nap for that. We need to make sure we have that backup quarterback, like, right on the bench, ready to go next time, so. All right, so look with me in chapter 14 again, um, verse 29. So um, we talked about how he says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. I love it whenever the Bible shows us things that the medical community now affirms, right? Now, what we see in, if you, if you go Google, like, the physical effects of anger, you will get tons of sites showing you this verse to be true because they know this verse to be true. Here's what happens when, you're by, when you get angry often and, and a lot at a really intense levels. What happens is your body is flooded with adrenaline because your body is getting ready for a fight. Adrenaline is being diverted away from your other organs and into your muscles ready for a physical confrontation, literally. Your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure rises, breathing increases, Temperature increases, you start to sweat. So you guys have had this experience before, I'm sure, where whenever you get really, really mad, you literally feel it on your skin, right? You have felt this before, correct? And so what happens is, if this happens over a long period of time and a lot, this will lead to migraine headaches, it will lead to digestion problems, it will lead to insomnia, depression, high blood pressure, strokes, and eventually even things like heart attacks. So being an angry person, this can lead to physical ramifications, and the Bible speaks to this. Flip over to um, chapter 15, verse 1. Just a few verses down. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, this one's for free. This verse will help you immensely in marriage. Now, I'm not saying how I know that. But I'm just saying, trust me, I've heard people say that this verse will really help you a lot once you enter into marriage. So that's for free, just so you know. Now, what we see here in this verse, he says, he says, a harsh word stirs up anger. If you think about a fire, like this coming Wednesday night, we're going to have a bonfire outside. So at some point, the fire is going to start to die down, at which point somebody will grab a stick and say, I'm going to go stir up the fire and make it a real fire again. This is what happens when you're someone who uses harsh words, harsh, angry words with someone. 
that you're in confrontation with. It is like stirring up a fire. So when there's a fire, are you like water or gasoline to a fire? When there's a fire, are, are you a person that starts fires, stirs up fires, or puts out fires? What kind of person are you? What kind of person are you? Look at the next uh, chapter, verse 16, verse 32. So next chapter, verse uh, 16, verse 32. He says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. I want you to get this passage. Did you realize what he just said in that passage? Did you hear that? He is saying that the guy who is slow to anger is better than the macho guy. The guy who has self-control is better than the guy who can conquer an entire city. Think about this. When, when some, that's a revelation, right? So if you sit up here in the spit zone, you get all kinds of revelations from God. It's pretty cool. Uh, so, but here's what he's saying. If, if what's more difficult? What's more difficult if someone sets you off? What's more difficult? Is it self-control or is it flying into a rage? It's self-control, right? That, think about this. Flying into a rage is the easy reaction. Flying into a rage is, is the knee-jerk reaction, the easy thing to do. Self-control is the more difficult thing to do. If someone can do that, that means that person has a better hold on themselves than the person who is macho, the person who is mighty. Now, our culture says to handle anger in one of two ways, typically. They either say, vent your anger, so blow up in your anger. This is what our culture teaches you to do. This is especially true for guys, right, guys? Right, guys? So if, um, I'll give you an example of this. When I was in junior high, there is no more awkward time of life than junior high. We all agree on that? Um, Especially for guys, because girls, you guys can't appreciate this, but for the guys especially, uh, guys are starting to grow and get stronger, and they're starting to like, uh, their voices are starting to change. They, they feel like they're trying to be like a man, but they're not quite a man yet. So what happens is, is the locker room scuffles start breaking out, okay? In junior high, I got into so many fights with people because they're just being jerks and being, being stupid, right? And so what would happen is, we'd be changing, and the one guy makes like a your mom joke to another guy, and, uh, and then he starts fighting that guy, and then someone else jumps in. And it's just junior high guys can be idiots when it comes to this kind of stuff, okay? And so, so we're fighting, and we're fighting a lot in junior high, and the whole, the whole deal is every guy is trying to prove his masculinity. Every guy is trying to say, I'm a man. I sound like a girl, but I'm a man, right? And so they have the high-pitched voice, and their voice is cracking all the time. And so they're trying so hard to be macho and masculine while everyone knows they're just a little girl, okay? This is what junior high is like, all right? Now, girls, I know you have your issues too, but this is the main guy issue in junior high especially. And so our culture says vent your frustration, vent your anger. This is the only way to handle it is to vent your, your anger and so on. In fact, I heard, a, heard about a guy a few years ago who... Um, this guy owned a house in a large city, and it was kind of a rundown house. So he decided to open this house up where people could pay to come vent their anger in this house, right? And so what he would do is 
he would buy, this guy would buy uh, damaged plates from restaurants, and he would say, okay, 100 bucks, you get 50 plates. And you get to come into this house and just throw them like Frisbees at the fireplace, like Frisbees at the wall, right? And so this was this guy's money-making machine. He was capitalizing on the idea that you've got to vent your anger. Now, how many of you guys would sign up for that, right? You would. You would. But here's the deal. I think I would too. But here's, here's the reality, though. You can do all of that. You can vent your anger in that way. And I have before, believe me, uh, like throwing microphones on the ground, right? Uh, I have before, believe me on this, but nothing really gets to the heart of the issue. Nothing really gets to the heart of the issue. And so one way culture says to express anger is to vent your anger. The other way culture says to hand, handle anger is no anger or, oppress, or suppress your anger. Suppress your anger. And so this is the person who thinks it's wrong to be angry. They think that um, all anger is sinful and somehow wrong. And this is totally based on a lie. That I don't know if you got this from the church or somewhere else, but it is a lie that, that anger should not be, at least on some level, a part of your life in a right and good way, in the right way at the right time. Now, this kind of person pretends a lot. This person wears a facade of niceness. Um, they're, they can have the worst day ever, and you say, how's your day? They're like, oh, it's just great. And you're like, they, have, they paste a smile on their face, and you're like, you're, you're total facade and a total, you're, you're just pretending, right? This person never gets angry about the right things because they think all anger is sinful, and they are wrong to, to think that. I'll tell you where I, I see this happening, I think, among us. And this is a really serious topic, but um, I see this probably the most when it comes to how many of you handle the issue of divorce. Because I will say things to you like, so how has that affected you? How, how do you feel about that? And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. And deep down, I know that's not true. Deep down, I know that you have some real anger there. I'm sure of it. And on the one hand, you are right to be angry about certain things because God says, God says, I hate divorce. It angers God as well. Now, it doesn't mean you grow bitter and have a hatred towards parents or a, a disrespect there, but it does mean that it's okay for you to be angry about what God is also angry at. But there's a way to deal with that. And here's the deal. Many of you don't ever deal with that anger. You suppress it. And what happens is it comes out in many other unhealthy ways in your relationships. And it poisons your relationships because you've never dealt with the anger honestly. You've suppressed it. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, Paul says the phrase, he says, be angry and do not sin. He is commanding anger. He's saying not, okay, angry if, he's saying be angry in some situations, but do not sin in your anger. You see, those people that suppress anger like this, I think this is the kind of person who forgets that even God at times is angry. Most people believe that God is just a God of love, and that's all he is. He is that, but he's also a God that is slow to anger. Look at Psalm chapter 86 on the screen here, 86 verse 15. It says this, but you, O Lord, are a merciful God and a gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Did you see that? 
anger and loving in the exact same verse. It says God is slow to anger, but he's also abounding in steadfast love. And we live in a culture today where someone can't really grab a hold of that idea. What does it mean that God is slow to anger, but also abounding in love at the same time? I would say it to you this way, that it's because of his love and his holiness that he also gets angry. Think about the people that you love and care for. It's when you see them go off a path towards sin, it's in that moment that you feel anger. Now, guess what? That anger, that emotion is a right feeling in that situation. Now, it does not mean you go slander them. It does not mean that you say, you go confront them with your fists. It does not mean that. But it means your, your anger, the feeling that you feel, is a right and good emotion. And then what you do beyond that is, has to be led by God. And it is okay to be slow to anger in the same way that, that God is slow to anger. So if we're going to be Christ-like, what angers God should also anger us. And I would say this, if you're a person that always suppresses your anger and never, you have the no anger response all the time, you are actually sinning but in a different way. You're sinning but in a different way. And so the question is, what do we do with our anger? Chapter 25 of Proverbs, go ahead and turn there, tells us, chapter 25, verses 21 to 22, And this is a really interesting verse. It says, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Now, what in the world is he talking about? Because if you're like me, when you first read that verse, you think, okay, this looks scriptural. The first part, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. Now, that makes sense. We know that Jesus would ask us to do that. We know that his view of enemies, love your enemies and so on. So that part makes sense. So if someone wrongs me, if my enemy's hungry, I still should be kind to him, give him bread to eat. If my enemy is thirsty, I should be kind and give him water to drink. But the third thing there kind of stands out as a bit odd, does it not? For you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, I must have been sick the day they taught that in Sunday school class because I got the first two down. I understand that. But the last part, I'm like, wait, what? What is he asking us to do here? I want you to get this. There's a couple of ways to see this passage. One of them, I'll stick with the the last one here uh, just to let you know what this means. Back then in ancient Egypt, uh, when somebody repented from their sin, there was this tradition. What they would do is they would carry as a ritual— to show their repentance, they would actually carry a, a bowl of hot coals on their head to show their repenting. And so this passage might be in reference to that as a possibility. Um, what he's saying, so just, just picture this. We know that repentance is hard enough as it is, correct? So can you imagine if we said, we're going to institute a tradition that if you are in a time of repentance in your life, you will carry hot coals around on your head. Now, this was the tradition back then. So what he might be saying here is this, that when you do these acts of kindness for this person, the idea is that it will lead them to repentance. 
Now, there's also the Dave translation, the Dave interpretation. Here's what I think this might mean. Let's be honest. If you've got an enemy, a strong enemy, and you start doing nice things for that person, do you not think that'd be slightly annoying to them, right? Just a little bit annoying. In the same way that it'd be slightly annoying if somebody came up and dumped hot coals on your head, right? I'm just going to make a guess here. Just slightly annoying if you do nice things for someone that's your enemy, correct? And so it might make them squirm a little bit, but the idea is still the same, that it's to lead to repentance. That is the ultimate goal here that he's talking about. So the goal is to help your enemy repent and turn to Jesus, to help them turn from their sin and turn towards Christ. Which has the greater chance to lead someone to repentance? Is it vengeance or is it kindness? Which one has the greater chance to pull them in towards Jesus? Look over at Matthew chapter 5. Look at the screen, actually, because we don't have time to have you turn there. But look at, just look at the screen here. In chapter 5 of Matthew, it says this. Christ is talking here. He says, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. I think here he's referring to the blowing up anger type of anger. But here's what people say. People say things like, I'm not that bad. I've never murdered anybody. I've never blown someone's head off out of anger. And Okay, so here's, here's the deal. You maybe have not literally plunged a knife in someone's back, but you've killed friendships. Have you not? You have murdered friendships as a result of your anger. You have murdered reputations as a result of your anger. There is this idea that when we are angry with someone, there's a death somewhere. Not physically, but there's a death somewhere left in the wake of that anger. Look down the next verse, 23 and 24. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. So what is Jesus saying to us? He's saying that before you engage in, quote, spiritual activity, back then it was sacrifice, now it might be church worship service, you go and be reconciled to that person. Because here's the deal, guys. If you're going to come in here and worship the Savior who shed his blood for you, he took on the wrath of God for you on behalf of you for your sin, and you're going to receive that as a free gift from him and call yourself a Christian, but then walk out the door unchanged and not offer someone else the exact same grace and mercy that you claim to know from Jesus Christ. If you are going to do that, then you are a hypocrite. This is what Jesus is saying here. So before you come in and worship Christ with your lips, you walk out the door and be reconciled with that person. The same kind of reconciliation that Jesus Christ extends to you in the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. 
And so here's what many of us do. Whenever someone wrongs someone else, there's a phrase people say. They'll say things like, they're going to pay. He's going to pay. She's going to pay for this. But you hear me on this. You know this. It's already been paid. It's been paid. It's been paid in the cross. And you've received that if you're a Christian. You've received that payment as from Jesus. And for us not to extend that to someone else is, is hypocritical and wrong. And so this morning, what I want you to do is discuss in a few moments here. But the last question is kind of a thought question here in a moment. The last question is going to be, who do you need to go reconcile with? Who do you need to go apologize to? Who do you need to go and say, you know what? I don't want to make you pay. I want to give you the forgiveness and grace and mercy that Jesus Christ has forgiven me. And I want to extend the same thing to you. And you be reconciled with that person. Go ahead and discuss your last few questions at your tables. Go ahead and discuss them.